Welcome to the Classic Car Corner Podcast. We are glad you can join us today. Our guest this evening is returning to us to discuss his Humvee and Hummer history. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Springdale Automotive, the next generation in car care, locally owned, professionally operated, whatever you drive, we service, domestic, Euro, hybrid, electric, classics, and diesel. Springdale's car services include maintenance, repair, and diagnostics for convenient neighborhood locations. How can they be of service? I'm Jason Painter, and we welcome back Ian Ibsen, who is going to walk us through his ownership experience of his uh, Humvee and Hummers that he has had over the past several years. And thank you again for joining us here tonight, buddy. Jason, thanks for having me back. We really appreciate it. So uh, on our last episode with you, we were talking about how you found your uh, 1995 Humvee and how you, you acquired it from an auction. A uh, buddy of yours had one and didn't work out, so you found one. You kept it for five years. What I think would be interesting is to tell uh, uh, our listening audience of, about some of the characteristics of this car. Like uh, we know it doesn't have a straight axle. It's sure. got self-inflatable uh, tires. Um, it's got, uh, you know, I think one of the old, old, uh, speedometers and maybe the first generation of these Humvees actually had on the bottom of the speedometer something that said you're going too fast or yeah. y- y- you know yeah. what I'm talking about oh, yeah. there because I know, I know you know these trucks. Um, so it, we, you, you had just sold your 95, you bought a 98 H1. So, yeah. so tell us the difference between the two and, and what, what made you, uh, uh, go, go that route. Sure. So they're both extremely similar vehicles, but they also are vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say. Well, let me let me get back to um, the Humvee itself. Uh, the things that kind of make it stand out from your everyday SUV is uh, the portal axle system. Okay. So that's an axle that goes into the top of the hub instead of going into the center of the hub, mm-hmm. and it it allows that um, uh, lower clearance mm-hmm. of that truck mm-hmm. to I think be at the time it was a record like 16 and a half inches or, or okay. something in that order, which was kind of unheard of from that time. And a portal axle system is something similar to what you'd find on a tractor. Okay. It's, uh, it makes a unique noise when you're driving the vehicle mm-hmm. because it's basically two straight cut gears, top and bottom. Uh, and if you can imagine at speed and at velocity are kind of making their own howling noise gotcha. that kind of outdoes the motor itself. Right. Um, it's got an inboard brake system, so your brakes aren't mounted at the wheels. They're mm-hmm. actually mounted up near the motor okay. or the the um, transfer case in, in the case of the rear. Um, and that also makes for an interesting noise when you're under hard braking. Gotcha. It almost sounds like a train's coming right at you. Gotcha. Uh, it's kind of a howling noise that, you know, you wouldn't know unless you've owned one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that stuff still kind of makes me smile, you know, when you, when you come to a hard stop and it Sounds like a 747 coming into land. <laughs> right, it, you gotcha. know, it kind of makes you laugh. Yeah. And it definitely makes people turn their heads. Uh, I had one night uh, driving. It was a dark night going through uh, a downtown area. Not really paying attention to the lights, unfortunately, but coming up to a red light. And there were some people going through the crosswalk, and I had to slam on those brakes. Mm-hmm. Tires didn't lock up, which was great. But that noise, you know, th- they looked at me like they didn't. They thought it may have been an 18-wheeler, not a 
a, a small, you know, or a, a, just an SUV. Right. So that that was kind of funny. Um, I would say one of the the more unique features as well is it's got a hood mounted uh, breathing apparatus for the intake, mm-hmm. um, which are typically added onto for for further fording opportun- opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from the factory, you can take it up to 36 inches of water. Okay. Um, and it will dread that you're going to get water in the cab. Mm -hmm. It's not a sealed cabin, but at least the motor is going to continue to run. You're not going to be stuck in 36 inches of water. So, and it it actually will go actually deeper with the snorkel Yeah, and with the tailpipe that goes higher over the cab. Yep. Exactly. Mm Um, yeah, I've seen some bizarre videos where, so someone actually attached PVC that you could find at Home Depot uh, that was in the order of like seven feet tall. And they attached a tailpipe at a metal shop that was another seven feet and eight feet tall. And they drove through a lake. I'll be darned. And it went from one side to the other without a problem. Isn't that something? Yeah. That's pretty, that, pretty wild. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so uh, in your experience owning these, your particular car is a 6.5 liter. Yeah. So they made a few different. Uh, motor iterations mm-hmm. on the military side they started with a 6.2 liter okay naturally aspirated okay. Uh, Detroit diesel and that was an okay motor you know it's reliable as could be um, and the military versions were a 24 volt system not a 12 oh. that you'd find on the civilian ones right so same motor that you find on the civilian ones but you started with a 6.2. A little later in the year run, they came out with the 6.5, and then a little bit later, they came out with the 6.5 Turbo, gotcha. which is what I've got in my H1. And so tell, tell people what your uh, miles per gallon might be in this rascal. So I always make the joke. Okay. I get this question quite often, mm-hmm. almost daily. I always make the joke that if uh, you're going to drive this truck, then you do not calculate that number. <laughs> okay, right. So I can tell you with all honesty, I've never calculated that number. I got you. It, yeah, it it's just one of those things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of one of those things. You know, some cars don't. Yeah, I mean, you look at any modern SUV, it's not like you're getting 20 miles a gallon. Yeah, right. yeah. So, you know, what's 12 or 13, which I assume is what I get. Uh, but the fun thing about the H1 is it's got two fuel tanks. Mm-hmm. So you've almost got... I think it's somewhere near like 45 gallon capacity. Gotcha. So regardless of the fuel economy, you're still getting like 500 miles of range. I'm assuming there's a switch. That there is a switch. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. And you can flick that switch on the road. You don't have to do it while you're stopped. I gotcha. So, so just for, I mean, going back to the trivia part of this, which is a lot of fun. How did Humvee, I mean, kind of interesting name. Do you know how it came about? What's it stand for? Or So, uh, that I'm pretty sure stands for high mobility multi-purpose wheeled vehicle. That's exactly what it stands for. Yeah, yep. and I I think if you put that together and you get a couple soldiers out in the field, they just came up with the nickname Hummer. I got gotcha. you. And that stuck. Gotcha. And uh, that's when you know the, when the civilian market came out back around '92. Uh, that was the name that they decided to use for that civilian market. Okay, uh, so Hummer civilian market. Humvee military. Correct. Gotcha. It was actually okay. called an M998. That would have been the model number. Okay. For the first run, that would have been like 83 through the late 90s. Gotcha. And because it was a combat use car, uh, the military one, obviously, um, what's neat to also suggest here is that uh, those were EMP proof. They the, the, the resistant, resistant, I think, is right. the more okay, proper gotcha. term that okay. they would use. Okay. Uh, with that 24 volt system, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of um, electronic parts for 
you know, to, to go wrong, fried. to get right. stuck out in the gotcha. field and for that to go wrong. Uh, the civilian ones, like we we stated, are 12 volt, so mm-hmm. a little more susceptible. I think they've got electronic fuel pumps and so on, where as the original ones had the analog gotcha. pumps. So uh, uh, we know that these aren't geared for uh, fast takeoffs uh, and really the top speeds. I mean, how fast have you gotten on your car? So the Humvee. You were lucky to get to 65. Okay. Uh, if you're going downhill, you might see 70. Okay. Uh, but again, that was a three-speed transmission, so mm-hmm. with no overdrive. Right. So you were really screaming that truck. Gotcha. You know, driving that speed, and it, you mm-hmm. know, there's stickers all over the inside of the vehicle that says "Do not exceed 55." Like gotcha. you, like right. you had mentioned on the speedometer, there's stickers that say, you know, this is in the green zone, this is in the red zone, and uh, that I always got a laugh out of that. Um, you know, temperature wise, it's kind of bizarre. I, you know, drove 30 minutes to get here tonight and my fan didn't kick on once. It's a, you know, your typical diesel. I got you. Uh, <laughs> I, they typically run at like 220 degrees. So okay. until it gets to that 192 to like 200 range, your fan's not going to kick on. I got so you. you pretty much go all winter without your clutch fan kicking in. I get you. Okay. Uh, but that, that was another unique thing with the Humvee is when you drive it in the summer, it's a little bit miserable. It's not cooled it's not uh air conditioned Mm -hmm. so you always had your windows down but when that clutch fan kicked in which was you know just about every mile it would drastically change how the car drove i I mean if you were going 55 miles an hour and that clutch fan kicks in it's like you hit a brick wall i mean it's like somebody grabbed your tail and and held you back i mean it's you know it's a bizarre sensation right right well and that's that's i mean again that's pretty in my opinion, an interesting thing to consider. Because, right. I mean, they just weren't made for road use, let's call it. Right, exactly. But but, uh, but your H1 has a fourth gear, right? Yeah, so the, the civilian ones, mm-hmm. um, again, 6.5 liter turbo diesel, and that was mated to a, a three-speed transmission again, but okay. this, this iteration oh, had so overdrive. Uh, with overdrive. Yeah, so right. you could come from, I mean... I've taken on a few road trips where, you know, you can cruise at 7580. It's got cruise control. Gotcha. Um, you know, it's kind of a scary cruise control system. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember specifically one time where I hit the brakes and assuming that that was going to disengage cruise, and it did not. Yeah. It just slowed me down temporarily and then got right back to it. Gotcha. So okay. just an older system, you know. It's right. probably one of the first vehicles that had cruise. So. I gotcha. And these are powertrained by General Motors. So the... The engine itself is actually a Detroit diesel. Okay. And it wasn't until... Are we talking about the 95? All of them. All of them. All of them. The civilian and the military market were Detroit diesels, and it wasn't until 2006, which unfortunately was the last year for the H1. Okay. Uh, This is right before the... you know, economy collapsed Mm -hmm. and GM had to file bankruptcy and, Mm -hmm. you know, sort out their business. Uh, And Hummer, unfortunately, wasn't in their future. Okay. So the 2006, the last year for the Hummer H1, they're all Hummer H1 alphas. And that was a 6.6, if I'm not mistaken, liter Cummins diesel or not Cummins, excuse me. That was a Duramax diesel. Duramax. Yeah. General Motors. That you would find with the General Motors. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so one of the fun things about the some of the trivia on the M998, um, it didn't have a park place. So your gear shift selector said, uh, I guess, reverse neutral drive. Yep. 
and then the way to park it was to put it in the neutral and set the emergency brake. Exactly. Yeah, which which made for a confusing uh, transfer from gotcha. driving that truck all the time to driving the H1 because the H1 does have park. Gotcha. So there were times where I would go to drive the, the Humvee, think I'm in park and let off the brake and I'm going backwards. Right. Uh, but that, the, all these vehicles, they're all all-wheel drive, all the time, all-wheel drive. Um, what about night vision mode? Do you know anything about that on, on some of the military ones? Can, is that a feature that, like the one that you bought? Right. So it's not necessarily night vision. Okay. It's, uh, and I'm trying to think the, the term for it off the top of my head, but basically there was a, uh, it was called blackout. Okay. And that was a single headlamp that was mounted to the front of the hood on the military versions that had a hat, if you will, or an outpost over. So the, the headlight was covered with plastic and then it would have a little out post. Okay. So if you were, you know, if somebody was flying from overhead or somebody was looking at it from the side, you could not see that light admitted. Gotcha. You could only see it with night vision goggles. You would see that light on the ground. Okay. Gotcha. So it, it's I not gotcha. so much a night vision mode. Okay. It just made it easier to disguise the vehicle in night conditions if you were under oh, night okay. vision goggles. That's what that means. Yeah. I got you. I got you. So, so another thing that, uh, you know, th- these Hummers and Humpies have two um, protrusions out of their hood that are uh, rock-solid protrusions. Tell our listening audience what those are for. So those are called the airlift hooks. Okay. And it's actually a frame-mounted hook system that, uh, as you said, comes out of the hood on both sides of the center grill, if you will, on mm-hmm. top of the hood. Um, you had two up front and you had two on the back bumper, mm-hmm. depending on what bumper configuration you had to where you could have a Blackhawk helicopter or a Chinook helicopter that could attach at those four points and lift that vehicle. Um, and we're talking how many pounds roughly? So the military versions, you know, your standard curb weight was like 5,500 pounds. But if you look at some of the more modern ones where they're still doing that, still using that system, you're probably getting up in the fifteen to 20,000 pounds Gosh, for the up-armored versions. That's incredible. How about that? And that, as a short story, I distinctly remember uh, my neighborhood, and this is up in southern Indiana, when I was a little kid, we had this seven-acre lake behind us. We'd always take our John boat out, and it was kind of a flight path for Fort Knox mm-hmm. uh, where they would do their, their training exercises. So we'd have C-130s flying over all the time, and We'd have Apache helicopters flying all, all over the time. Um, but distinctly, one time there was a Chinook helicopter flying overhead with a Humvee hanging down no 20 shit. feet. And I'm in this John boat. Oh, my gosh. You wouldn't. I mean, you're lucky. I'm lucky I didn't come out of the boat. I was so excited. Oh, my You know, gosh. waving them down, giving them a thumbs up. Right. That so, was a cool experience. Well, so, so uh, you know, uh, one of the things on our last episode that I think we wanted to talk about was that, I mean, you've been passionate about these vehicles since you were, I mean, you're a lot younger than I am. And you ought to tell everybody your story about uh, the the order you placed on the internet and what you yeah. received. So uh, this was when I was very young. This is probably when we got our first computer that was hooked to the internet. And, you know, you'd spend your summers browsing websites for things that you're interested in. You know, the biggest thing for me was the Hummer website. Um, and I, I can't remember if I had written... Uh, an inquiry or if it was a tab that said, you know, contact us. But at the 
end of the week, I had a box delivered to the house and it was a big box. And I was so young that this was probably the first thing that had ever come in the mail that had my name on it. Gotcha. Right. And I kind of had a panic moment like, <laughs> oh, oh no, what did I do? Did I buy a truck? And like, how does the internet work? And like, right. is this going to be on my parents' credit card statement? Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily it wasn't, but uh, I grabbed that box as quickly as I could, ran back up to my room and uh, opened it up. And to my delight, it was uh, every brochure and sales you know, packet that you could imagine, mm-hmm. uh, cloth samples, leather samples. I mean, the whole thing, it right. was, I couldn't wrap my head around why they had sent this to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, back in the day when, uh, budgets were a little bit bigger and they could send out that stuff right. to, you know, prospective buyers. Right. So, uh, you know, as the weeks went on, I, I, carefully cut each one of those pages out of those magazines and I had a pocket door in my room that separated the the room from the the restroom um, so I could tape those front and back of the door right. from top to bottom you know four <laughs> wide and uh, and close that pocket door so my parents wouldn't ask like hey where did you get all this stuff right um, but that that was there from gosh that, I probably got that when I was seven or eight years old and it, you know, it was there the day that I moved out at eighteen. And look you at you know, now, right? And you you close that you close that pocket door. It was fine, but when you had your door closed, you could open that pocket door up. And I just I cannot tell you how many hours, whether I was grounded or right. you know just bored on a Saturday, staring at that door, thinking, man, it's it you know, sorts. yeah. When you when you uh, can envision something that you're going to have in your future, that's right. pretty cool. Well, talk to us about the story that you know of. Uh, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Colin Powell. Yeah, so that is a really neat story, and I recently just found this out, and I've got to give a shout-out to Predator Motorsports. They're a uh, kind of an aftermarket tuning company for Hummer specifically. They do the Duramax swaps um, for those trucks, and they do Cummins swaps as well. It's pretty pretty wild what they can do down there. Uh, They've got two locations in San Diego and another one in Florida, and I'll probably end up sending my truck there eventually when I decided to do a Duramax swap. Um, but they had told this story. Um, they being in San Diego had been, uh, maintaining Arnold Schwarzenegger's civilian Hummers Mm -hmm. and, uh, no one really knew how he was able to get one because they weren't available to the public. It was a DOD contract. So you can't just go buy, you know, a, a helicopter or a jet or right. or a military vehicle for right. that matter. Um, so I think he had come in to do a, Arnold had come in to do a shop tour, kind of a thanks for maintaining my vehicles all, all these years. And uh, they said that, you know, super nice guy came in, shook hands with everybody. And, you know, they had got his truck. And I think at that time they had converted it to uh, biodiesel so that he could drive to McDonald's or Burger King and get that cooking oil and, mm. and run it through his vehicle. It was probably one of the first ones that they had ever had to market. So I can uh, assume that he came in for that. But the story goes that, you know, he comes in with his uh, secret service at that time. I think he was the governor of California mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to take one of the Duramaxes out. And he went with the shop owner and starts ripping up and down the street. And the secret service is, you know, running to get in their vehicle to to chase them down to close off the roads to where they're going. Okay. But while that shop owner was in the vehicle with them, 
He said, you know, you've got to tell me the story about how you got the first civilian H1. And he said, well, you know, in essence, I, I did a shop tour in Mishawaka, Indiana at the AM General Factory. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, after the tour, I said, well, what's it take to get one of these? Like, I, I want to buy one. Mm-hmm. And they told him, you know, look, we're under government contract. We can't just, you know, sell one. It doesn't matter if you're the governor or the president. We can't just give you one of these. Right. Uh, there's no price tag for it. And it's just you can't get one. He said, well, there's got to be a way around it. And uh, apparently they had said, well, if you get a letter from someone in the government that says that it's okay, it's okay to do, then sure, you can come mm-hmm. back and pick one out. Mm-hmm. So he had, apparently had gone to D.C. and made a couple calls and ended up getting this form signed and took it back and laid it on the CEO of <laughs> AM General's desk. And That's awesome. And I think that CEO said, you know, well, who'd you get to sign this form? And he said, well, Colin Powell is my golfing buddy. Oh, be darned. Yeah. That's just so cool. Yeah. I mean, can talk about connections. But, right. you know, thank you to Arnold Schwarzenegger for bringing these vehicles to the civilian market. I mean, if that if that hadn't happened, uh, Hummer may never have existed, you know. Well, it, I mean, that that, that – that car kind of fits his you know, <laughs> personality. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. I, I think the story goes that he had one for every day of the week. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, are you involved with any, uh, Humvee or Hummer clubs around the, so there's a few, um, you know, going back to the last podcast when I talked about kind of feeling like I was a, a poser mm-hmm. in the Hummer, realm because i never had owned a a real hummer i hadn't had the military one but Mm -hmm. it was kind of like you know putting the 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 label of hummer on something that it doesn't belong on which was kind of vice versa if you think of it um so with that said when i finally got the h1 we're right in the middle of the pandemic so there are multiple hummer clubs there's uh, one specifically that has uh varying meets i'm kind of the uh type of personality where I, I like it to be like a garage queen. You know, I, I want it to be in pristine condition. I really don't care about taking it off road, which I know people are probably cringing right now. Um, <laughs> right. But a big part of these clubs is to go off roading. So you meet for lunch, you, you know, park all these trucks in a parking lot, you look them over and then you take them out and in the field and, and thrash on them, mm-hmm. uh, which is thinking about that, you know, it makes my skin crawl, but right. <laughs> um, you know, I just want to keep it perfect. It's all original. Uh, but it's phenomenal how much modifications you can do to these trucks, uh, you know, from motor modifications to, you know, thermal imaging to you can, they're just super modular, um, with the different configurations that they had for sale. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a, there's a huge, um, interest in clubs like that. I just, I haven't had a chance and I don't think those Hummer clubs have had a chance to really gather at least you. within, you know, four hours of here well, I mean, since the pandemic. Well, well, so prior to the pandemic, I mean, you don't see a whole lot of them. Right. So, so you kind of have a scarcity on top of. Yeah. They only made 11,000 uh, talking about the civilian trucks. They only mm-hmm. made, a, I think 11 and change I got you. between 92 and 2006. So it's a really, uncommon uncommon car to see or vehicle to see on the road right yeah no it is especially yours, yours yeah yours. I, and offhand i i 
think there's only two or three gotcha. in this Kentuckyana area okay. that I know of. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is one nice piece. That is for sure. Yeah, thank you. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your ownership of the Humvee or Hummer that you have? I mean, is it a ten plus, knowing what you know and being the enthusiast? Or is it, okay, well, you know, I give it an eight because, you know, it'd be a 10 if. So I, I always make the comment, you know, people stop me all the time, uh, which I love to talk about it. And I love when kids come up, you know, because you kind of get to educate them. And I, I think back to when I was a kid and I saw them, right. if I had the opportunity to mm-hmm. talk to somebody that owned one, yep. you know, and maybe even discourage me at the time, could, probably could have saved me a lot of money if, uh, if they had told me, you know, kind of what you'll experience as an owner. Right. So I drive these trucks every day. They're my daily driver. I don't have any other vehicle, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot, you know, and if I didn't live a mile from where I work, It'd it would be story. extremely impractical. Right. Yeah. So when, yeah. when I have these conversations, I'm kind of leaving it at, you have to really want this truck mm-hmm. to be able to like mentally and financially wrap your head around it. Right. Um, you know, an experience for me, you know, I'm one of the, in my opinion, one of the biggest Hummer enthusiasts that, that I, at least that I'm aware of. Um, so yeah, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Gotcha. But if, you know, if you, Jason mm-hmm. decided, Oh, I, I, this all sounds great. I'm going to go get a Hummer. You might have it for six months and say, this was the dumbest thing I've gotcha. ever done. Right. And I know many people have done that. Many mm-hmm. people have gone through that, um, uh, experience timeline of just like, this is, this is a super impractical, um, it's not a comfortable ride. Mm-hmm. It's not good on gas. You know, the the heat and the AC is, you could probably uh, blow on somebody harder than what the AC puts out. Puts out on there, I got Yeah, you. so it, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, you you, you hate to love it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough, but I, I love it to death, well, so. And uh, exactly, everybody has their, their thing, let's call it. Right. And this happens to be yours and the YouTube channels that led me to some of the questions that I try to ask. I mean, everybody was saying the same thing. They, I mean, to some people it's like, that's runs too hard on the road. It's too wide. You feel like, but the other people are like, man, this, I mean, it's practical. It's a lot of people say it's simple. It's, oh, it's super simple. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, your car is a late later model, but it doesn't have airbags. It doesn't right. have some of the stuff that, that, you know, a lot of the, other manufacturers, I guess, make with standard right. stuff. But, I mean, you've got yourself uh, really a, a timepiece out there that you don't see many of. And, you know, honestly, I don't know where values are going on these vehicles. I'm assuming, like every everything else, they're probably up. And being that there were a limited production of these made, and the ones that haven't been dogged out or ragged out or sitting on the bottom of a sand dune somewhere, uh, I'm assuming our, our veterans pretty decent coin. Right. Uh, yeah. And I would say, you know, for someone that's interested in getting into this, uh, brand or vehicle, if you, if you would say is the biggest selling point is AM general still exist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thankfully our military still uses these vehicles. Mm-hmm. So there's still plenty of parts to be had. And yep. a lot of the, parts that were used for the mechanical pieces of the military trucks are also used on the civilian ones. Gotcha. So yep. uh, while you can't go directly to AM General and say, hey, I need X, Y, and Z, you can go to an authorized dealer for AM General. Okay. 
which is companies like Predator Motorsports or, the, you know, there's dozens, okay. um, and and get those parts. You know, recently I, I think I had a couple of marker lights that had gone out, mm-hmm. and I needed a um, high-pressure line for the air conditioning system. Gotcha. And they just didn't exist. And I'm like, oh, shoot, this is not good. Um, and I reached out to some of these companies, and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just call AM General. It'll be at your door in a week. So. And- it's it's kind of like Mercedes, you know, the antique Mercedes. They you can still buy parts from right. 1920s Mercedes. You know, you're going to pay a price for them, <laughs> right. which is kind of similar to this situation. You're going to pay a price for it, mm-hmm. but it's not astronomical. Right. You know, it's a domestically made vehicle, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's so simple. I mean, you can work on these in your garage. Right. Um, the electronics are simple. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, it's it's a it's practical in that way mm-hmm. that it's not out of reach. It's not. Uh, it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Um, and if, if you treat it like I do, you know, where you're just driving a couple miles a day and, you know, you're not going to have any crazy expenses. Right, right. Well, um, it, you know, just going back to the build of these cars, because that's, that's one of the things that I really get into. I mean, you've got, you've got a system that will pump up a flat tire by the push of a button. So there's no TPMS sensors in this car. You've got two different metals, you said, which I, I think be interested to let everybody know. You've got aluminum and you've got s- steel. steel. Correct, yeah. And there's a gasket that separates the two. Right. And you you have found that there's a chemical reaction if the two meet and it'll start rust. Yeah, I, I think the term electrolysis where, okay. you, where you've got aluminum and steel when mm-hmm. those two metals meet. Uh, you know, aluminum is extremely rust resistant, but right. steel is not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you've got those two metals touching, a lot of times the, there will be a chemical reaction where that aluminum will start, start to rust. Yep. And that's kind of, you know, worst case scenario on these trucks. It's it's not that it can't be fixed or remedied. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one thing that you got to look for when you're buying them. Gotcha. But on some of the configurations, like the the four-door soft top and the, uh, the two-door hard, hard top, you didn't have those steel parts, so you, you really don't have those issues to run into. But it's a completely aluminum body, uh, which is kind of a downside because there's not individual body panels. Right. It's one big aluminum tub right. that makes up the body of the vehicle. Gotcha. Uh, you do have four steel doors, at least mm-hmm. on the civilian ones. Uh, and if you've got a wagon like I do, um, it's a steel roof, and the back of the roof that that meets what would essentially be the truck bed Mm -hmm. is steel as well Mm -hmm. so that's kind of your trouble spot is that meeting point between the truck bed and the steel roof if you will yeah are there anything else that you know of off top of your head that maybe we haven't covered trivia wise or something neat uh that needs to be suggested before we end the uh, just getting back to the individual parts on these vehicles, um, like the the hood, for instance, mm-hmm. is a plastic composite. Oh, so, is it? Okay. Yep. Didn't so there's a little bit of weight loss there. Gotcha. You know, you don't because it's a forward uh, flipping hood, if you will, right? Uh, which makes them super easy to work on, mm-hmm. and you can actually take that hood off gotcha. if you wanted. Um, and, and there's just so many parts available, you know, in various markets. Um, to upgrade the vehicle mm-hmm. you know a lot of people put the bigger wheels on it um which i haven't done and, you right. know it's all mine stock. Is completely factory right. yeah mm-hmm. there's been some some parts so my truck was originally owned by someone at am general yeah. 
yep. uh, which was kind of cool to follow the Carfax. I think it was originally purchased in uh, Louisiana. Okay. They uh, brought it up to Indiana where the guy lived close to the South Bend area. Mm -hmm. And um, I think he cherry picked some of the pieces that came out later in the model run, you know, close to the 0406, kind of the Holy grail of the Hummer H1. Gotcha. Right. So the, the brush guards have been upgraded. The mirrors have been upgraded. Um, I think they had a better central tire inflation system at gotcha. that time. So okay. you don't have as many, that's a pretty common, um, breakdown point yep. you know it's a, basically a lot of airlines that are going through your hub gotcha you know it's spinning at whatever speed you're driving right. and you can literally inflate the tires or deflate the tires on the go um, yeah that's, yeah that's i mean you can be driving 20 miles an hour and deflate your tires to zero um <laughs> nice yeah so just a super unique truck um and visibility is good too right yeah visibility is great i you know the, really the only downside with that truck, at least when it's cold and it's snowing, is mm. um, with the it's a completely 90 degree windshield, so you get some light refraction there when you've got traffic gotcha. oncoming. Right, uh, that's a kind of a nightmare yep. situation at night, um, and also it fogs up pretty easily. So the the front windshield in my H1 actually has a heater core inside of it. Okay, um, so you can turn on the heat for the windshield and these little coils that go through the windshield See, will heat up and defrost. Isn't yeah. That cool? But okay. the side windows don't. Right so <laughs> those fog up pretty quick and there's not a whole lot of air coming out of that right. uh, defrosting system to defrost those windows. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny when you've got a passenger and you're in the front seat, you can stick your arm out right. and you're not even close. I say it's, it's great with your wife. Cause if you, you know, run a stop sign or whatever, and she goes to smack you, she can't reach she you. She can't reach you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. But the, the, probably the funniest part of that truck is there's not a whole lot of um, comfort involved in the seating positions as they are. Okay. Uh, the passenger seat, well, I don't think, I'm a kind of a bigger guy, I don't think I could comfortably sit in that, okay. uh, which I might be able to show you after this. Mm -hmm. we, if you had your feet together, you wouldn't be able to move them apart in that passenger front passenger oh, seat. Okay. Yeah. And the, uh, the driver's seat and the passenger front seats, uh, don't really move forward or back too much. So if you're in the, the, the rear seats, there's really not a whole lot of leg room. Gotcha. Uh, and a lot of times when you take them to these modification shops, they can actually cut out that tub. Mm -hmm. And move that back about a foot, and that makes it a much more comfortable seating position. Gotcha. And you okay. don't you don't lose any traction area for the the wheels. Gotcha. Um, but I, I love that wagon design. I think looking at all the different configurations, they had a, a two door, they had a four door, they had the hard tops, the soft tops, uh, and then the wagon. Mm -hmm. The wagon's the one I always wanted. I, there's just something iconic about if you're looking at the back of the truck, those two ambulance doors that are coming out. Yep. And then you've got this just colossal carpeted area, right. you know, that is the truck bed, right? Um, you know, and it's got a center divider and you could genuinely pull that out and lay a twin mattress in there and camp out, <laughs> you know, it's, it's awesome. That is so and, cool. and in the Humvee version, you can actually remove the seats and uh, there's panels that you can purchase or if they came with the truck to make that a two man configuration and have that second row as a flat storage area oh, to gotcha. cover the seats up Isn't yeah that's something yeah it's it's very neat it's yeah. super cool yeah and it's 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 very 
crazy how similar those trucks are. It's the same exact truck, just, you know, one's got an interior and the other one doesn't. doesn't right. Yeah. The same platform. Same, same platform, same, same everything. Base, exactly. Uh, dimensions. Same dimensions, yep. same everything. That is so cool. And while it's wide, you know, it's not really much longer than uh, Volkswagen Jetta. Yeah. You know, I remember uh, I had kind of a awkward conversation with someone I was at uh, some venue. I don't remember what it was. And they had a parking lot that was super tight. I had been there multiple times and then did the 15 point turn to get in and out of the parking lot. But they had three stalls in front of the building mm-hmm. that were along the road that for were for compact cars only. Okay. So I, <laughs> I went there and it's pouring down rain and I'm thinking, well, I don't want to jostle the car into a parking lot that's already full. So I'm just going to pull into the compact car spot. And, uh, I pull in there, I'm kind of sitting there, you know, flipping all the switches. Everybody jokes. It's like an airplane inside of one of those trucks. Cause there's a dozen switches that you have to turn off. Right. And the guy, I guess who was working behind the desk comes out and just kind of starts waving his finger. Like you can't park here. And I'm like, dude, really? And he's wearing camo pants. Like you would assume that he, <laughs> he has, you know, he's yeah. either jealous that I've got this truck or he's just, I told, <laughs> I don't know. It's just bizarre. Right. Him of all people to come out and say, no, you can't park here. So I, I went inside and I was soaking wet because I had to walk in from the parking lot and do the 15 point turn. I was pretty ticked off and I walked in and I said, are you kidding me? And he's like, yeah, it's compact cars only. I was like, dude, it's no longer than a Jetta. Mm-hmm. And the owner of the business walks out because it was kind of being loud. And uh, he's like, you know, what's going on? I was like, well, your guy won't let me park in the the three open spaces in front of the building. And this isn't really a, a venue where compact cars park. Right. Um, and I said, this isn't any longer than a, a Jetta, you know. And he's like, yeah, what, you know, what, what's your problem? And it's it just kind of, those are fun little right. quirks that yeah, you exactly. experience when you've got that, when I you've mean, got the, that truck. Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to your mind, it's a Hummer. Okay. It's a big yeah, truck. You think it's massive. Tire. Right. Exactly. But I mean, yeah. That's, it, and I remember when I had the H2, I went to the dealership, traded the H2 towards the H1 and uh pulled the h1 out i told the sales guy i was like let me just get one picture of the two of them side by side Mm -hmm. i could not believe how much bigger the h2 was you know profile wise than the h1 you know it sits up i would say probably five or six inches taller Mm -hmm. you know it's got about the same width um yeah they're not as big as you would think they're really not yeah they're just wide you know so which kind of gives you that yeah yeah when you're driving them you (laughs) you learn to drive looking at the center uh, the center line as opposed to the, the edge of the road. Cause if you watch the edge of the road, you're going to drive off of it. Um, just little quirks like that. I got you. Yeah. Well, the last question we have for you is Eric would kill me if I didn't ask, cause we ask everybody and that's going to be, what did you take your driver's test in? Because I doubt it was a Humvee or a Hummer. Was it was right? not. Okay. Yeah. What was it? So I was, uh, blessed to have a hand me down, 1968 Mustang oh, fastback gosh. for my first car oh, for crying out loud. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I, that was a hand me down for my brother who was the least mechanically inclined person you'd ever meet. Gotcha. I had no business ever purchasing that vehicle, but I think he had watched it was either bullet or gone in 60 seconds and said, this is what I want. <laughs> right. And, uh, and rightfully so. I fortunately for me, 
he was uh, the type of student that excelled in everything. So he was straight A's all the way through high school. And gotcha. my parents kind of laid it on all of us. Like, you do well in school, you can get whatever you want, mm-hmm. you know, within reason. Right. Um, so when he told me he wanted that car, I found it in the Courier Journal, local newspaper, and uh, convinced him that it was a good buy, even though, you know, I'm, I'm like – 12. Gotcha. I don't know a good buy from a bad buy, but right. I convinced my parents that it was a good buy. So we went out and got that car and, uh, he had spent a few years in it and had not fixed the brakes or fixed the dry rot tires or anything. So, mm-hmm. uh, while that was, uh, a car that I lucked into, it wasn't really safe to, to use as a driver's ed vehicle. So I ended up uh, borrowing my dad's Toyota Land Cruiser. Oh, so, oh that's a big, that's a big truck. Yeah, it's a bit, well, not necessarily. I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're just marginally bigger than a forerunner. Right. It's not Sequoia big. Okay. Uh, but that, that could be another uh, conversation. I'm a huge Toyota Land Cruiser fanboy. Right. Okay. Uh, gotcha. And if I didn't have a Hummer, that's or if I never mean. got into the Hummers, I would have a Land Cruiser in the driveway. Gotcha. It, and my wife knows that because every Land Cruiser we still see to this day, I go, oh, look, there's a Land Cruiser. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. yep. No, that's cool. Well, that's an interesting story. I didn't – we actually asked Mario Andretti what he took. Is that – what did he say to that? that? It was a 1940 um, a Ford Deluxe. Oh, wow. And uh, That's he, a car. He, he just kind of lit up and was like, oh, that's kind of a cool question. Nobody's really asked me that before. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and that's go. probably bigger than a Hummer. Oh, it probably, <laughs> yeah. probably heavier than a Hummer, too. Yeah, I guarantee days, That's for sure. Well, uh, Ian, as always, man, I really appreciate your time here this evening. And uh, certainly appreciate you coming back out to talk about your experiences with uh, Hummer and Humvee. And we would love to have you back. Yeah. Everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, and, Jason, thank you for having oh, me. It's absolutely. it's always fun talking to Hummers. It is. It, it it is an absolute blast, and um, you know we can tell you're passionate about it, which is always fun. So absolutely appreciate you coming. Uh, for our listeners of the podcast, like us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe so you're notified of new shows, and please leave, leave us a review. Uh, we also want to remind our listeners um, to please check out the GD Herring website. Um, uh, they provide options for uh, insuring not only your classic car, but for your collectibles as well. So you can find them at www.gdherring.com. And um, if you know of anybody who's interested in talking with us on the podcast that, that are uh, enthusiastic as we are about cars, we would obviously welcome them at any point. You can reach us at the www.theclassiccarcorner.com. Thanks for listening and a happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast.